The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And tonight we're covering Season 4, Episode 11, entitled Claimed. Uh, a return to form for The Walking Dead, I think. Yeah. What do you think? It, it, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about some stuff we didn't like, but by and large, this is the opposite of last week, where we, there's way more to like. Walking Dead doing what Walking Dead be- does best, and that makes some of the bitter pills go down quite a bit easier. Um, I, sure. I want to apologize up front. I'm really sick. Uh, my throat feels like it's closing up. I'm armed with honey lemon tea. Uh, Jim looks like he's broadcasting from the set of the Blair Witch fucking project. <laughs> because, I'm in the middle of a move. All my stuff is gone, man. You 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 look like you're broadcasting from like uh, I don't know some secret bunker. Yeah. Are you hooked up to a kidney dialysis machine? Are you <laughs> no. in a cave? It's Jim's last stand. Here we go. <laughs> so um, I'm going to try to get as far as I can. I might have to tap out in the feedback and have Jim read it. We will see. We will see. All right. Well, why don't we get right into the recap? So we'll whoa, get to whoa, that whoa, whoa. Later. Hold your horses there, Jim. What do you got? Uh, I want to announce a contest. Do you want to okay. go to the Walker Stalker Con? Uh, sure. Yeah, I do. All right, well, we've got tickets because uh, we're going to be a panelist on Saturday uh, for podcasters. But if you have uh, you want to go and you have a lucky friend or loved one or significant other or just random stranger you want to grab from the street, we're giving away two sets of two three-day passes. They're worth $100 a apiece. Uh, details in our pimping section at the end of the main cast before we do the feedback. Uh, we got some exciting things to talk about. And but I just want to let you know, you know, I know I know probably 95 percent of people switch off as soon as they hear the word pimping. But if you have the means to go to the Walker Stalker Con in Chicago in 16 days, uh, check it out because it's it's going to be a good time. And we'll talk about that, you know, in that section. But I just wanted to prime prime the excitement pump. Okay, as hard as I can. What do you think about the recap now? Uh, it's just a sideshow, really. I, I'm impatient to get to the pimping section, and so everybody else. Let's just skip right there. It's a good right, episode, no. right? No, 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 no. Yada, We're yada, do yada. The recap like we always do. Okay, if we must. Uh, here we go. It starts out with the cold open of Abraham enjoying the zombie apocalypse a little bit too much for Tara's tastes. She's uh, she's not happy with his smile on his face while he's killing all these zombies. Um, I think that's one of the underrated charms of the zombie apocalypse. You get to kill a lot of stuff? Yeah. Like, if you're having a sh- you know, sometimes you just feel like you just want to beat someone's ass. You just wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Uh-huh. What better stress relief than go out there at the crowbar and start braining fools? And it's, it's, it's completely moral acceptable. In fact, a laudable trait. And I'm surprised. I mean, we've seen psychos kind of have, like, psych. But, but Abraham just is like a dude... Who's just and good at his job and enjoys it. He's clocking in. He's doing the work. He's got. He's he's whistling a sure. tune. He doesn't seem psychotic. He's just mm-hmm. a man that loves being able to kill people when it's morally acceptable. That's all. Yeah, and I don't know what his background is. Maybe he has like a, a military background or something. As you know, he can drive this big ass truck. Uh, and and he says, "I'm the luckiest guy in the world." At the end of this scene. Uh, so maybe, yeah, he's out there. He likes killing. What do you think? Why not? What do you think? You've seen him for a whole episode now. What do you think of the look of Abraham? <laughs> it's okay. It's ridiculous, but it's, but it's overshadowed by Eugene's ridiculous look. So it's not as noticeable. Here's the thing. He's got like fire engine, uh, blazing in the sun, copper hair. Mm-hmm. He's got like a dirty yellow handlebar. 
Okay. So so if the curtains are bright red and the walrus is faded dishwater yellow, what do you think the pubes are? <laughs> spotted <laughs> pure spotted white. silver, bleach white. Yeah, white is the driven snow, man. I feel like they they, they look like like lake lace curtains in a heavy smoker's house. Like they're just like car- oh, no. stained caramel color. Uh, uh-huh. That's 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 uh, what I'm going with. It just it's just like a it's like a Photoshop gradient that was applied to his head with with nicotine <laughs> yellow at the bottom and burnished copper at the top. Okay, that's a horrible picture you're painting for <laughs> us. But I appreciate. I'm not it. the one that did the hair dye, man. That's that's I'm washing my hands of that. Okay, uh, so. I think right up front, I'm going to give Zombie Kill of the Week because that crowbar pinning and then subsequent uh, brain smash was pretty awesome. No, not the Eugene? Really? I like that I don't know, man. Giving giving away this early in the episode might be a mistake. Wait, wait, Eugene (laughs) might get one? What are you talking about? Ah, we'll get there. All right, we'll get there. So uh, we go over to Carl and Michonne, and they're sitting down for breakfast without soy milk. Sorry, Michonne. Uh, soy milk Rick is the shit. Of... I, I like Michonne for repping the soy milk. Uh, yeah, I've tried it. It's not bad. It's not good like... for like cereal, but if you just want a cold glass of something, it's it's it it goes down pretty good. Sure, but it's it's no whole milk. I'll tell you that. Well, yeah, ice cold whole milk. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so they have a little discussion there, and then uh, Carl realizes, oh my god, Judith is not here and probably dead uh, when he tries to make a joke. And then Rick uh, is in the kitchen. Michonne goes in there and thanks uh, Rick thanks her for being a friend to Carl because, you know, he has to be Carl's dad, but Michonne can actually be there to be a friend. Michonne's like, a what now? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. This was actually a pretty good interaction, right? I, it, felt, mm-hmm. it, felt, it felt real, as did Carl's, you know, kind of, you know, crashing down to reality. Um, sure. I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, I feel like Rick and Carl and Michonne are some of the best interactions in the show, consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that there's a lot of good stuff with, like, Glenn and Maggie, and, and when Herschel was around, he did some great stuff. But Rick, Carl, and Michonne always have this, like, kind of bond uh, that they formed in Season 3. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I feel you on that. Still waiting for the signature Tyrese moment. Uh, still watching mm-hmm. uh, for the signature Bob Angelo moment. Um you know, Daryl's full of signature Daryl moments. Uh, you know, Beth <laughs> yeah. and Sasha still still wanting to see something strong from them. But uh, I, I feel like they can all bring it when they're given good material to work with. And we'll, I guess we'll uh, I, I'll wait a little bit later on to talk about that. Okay, so Carl and Michonne uh, go out on a supply run while Rick stays back to rest because uh, he, you know, was just unconscious the day before. And so he he goes upstairs and he lays down. Gives gives away his hand cannon. Yes, yes, he hands Carl his gun before he does that, which we know will turn out to be a big mistake later on. I don't know. I think that might be debatable. Really? Okay. Well, we'll debate it when we get there. Let's let's do that. Okay, Michonne, uh, Michonne and Carl uh, then have raided a house. We kind of skip ahead a little bit, and Michonne found some crazy cheese, and Carl is too bummed to take any of it like he's he doesn't want to have anything to do with this crazy cheese Um, and he's too bummed to laugh when michonne tries to cheer him up uh definitely thinking about judith here right yeah and is it 
is 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 in the best of times with Michonne spraying her mouth full of crazy cheese be funny. Uh yeah, I feel like maybe if she had done it right before the soy milk comment, it yeah. would have gone over like gangbusters. Really? I think Carl's just a little too old for it. A little too cool, a little too hip. Maybe. He was laughing on the inside. I think and that <laughs> I liked uh, Michonne acknowledging that she didn't put it on Carl and be like, you know, well, don't laugh at my joke, you fucking dick. Uh, uh it was more like, you know, I don't really know how to make boys your age laugh. Yeah. Other than holding him down and tickling him. That would have been fun. that would be funny to see her overpower him and just make him wet his pants tickling. <laughs> okay. Maybe. Maybe next episode. Cold medication. Hell of a drug. Uh so Michonne reveals to Carl that uh she had a son, a three year old son, and Carl is curious. Um so Michonne decides to kind of make a game of uh supplying him with information. So they they go supply hunting, and she's answering one question for every room they clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, like I said in the instant cast, felt a little contrived to kind of get information out of her, but it was fun at the same time. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're looking for food, batteries, and water in that order. And I think the batteries are for Carl's DS. I think he's got a <laughs> DS stashed somewhere, uh, and he really wants to play it. No, it's... Uh... It's it's Mr. Watch is what he's got. He's got to get in one of those old school LCD game watches. Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, anything you want to say about this scene here? Uh, it's, it's not quite to the good part of that scene. So uh, controversial. Do double French doors constitute a new room, Jim? Mm, I would say yes because they use those in saloons as well. All right. Well, would like you those double doors? Would you say if they like, had like a dressing partition up in the corner that that would constitute a room? Because I, I no, feel like I would not. The, the, the double fridge doors are just a partition in this case. Huh. I got I got okay. to side with Michonne. <laughs> All right, but but then how do you explain the saloon doors? Well, those are. I mean, clearly that's that's on the outside of a structural wall. I mean, you could you could have sure. no doors at all, and you've got the outside and the inside. That's not a. <laughs> If that's not a barrier of note, I don't know what is. Okay, fair enough. Um, so then we go back to Rick, and he's laying down, and he's sleeping, and a group of people enter the house. And they start fighting, and that wakes him up, and then he kind of hides under the bed while they look around. And one of the guys decides, hey, I'm going to take a nap on this bed. Mm-hmm. And so Rick is pinned down, literally pinned down by the weight of this guy. <laughs> So did you – at what point did you feel feel confident that this was not Rick hallucinating or – I actually got this really strong uh, Home Alone vibe that continued throughout the episode. Um to drop a paint can on his head Yeah, or he's, he's sprinkling uh, shattered ornaments around. Um, he got, got the sticky finger bandits right where he wanted them. Um, uh-huh. But I, I thought that maybe uh, Carl and Michonne had come back and Carl had found like the batteries and – a DVD player and was like, you know, he's having a, you, you know, you filthy animals type moment. And I thought he might be hallucinating hmm. or having a bad dream. Um, I really liked the way they played with him slowly gaining consciousness and the sounds getting louder and louder. And then his, I mean, Andrew Lincoln, uh, I don't know if I like him when he's blowing snot out of his nose and bawling, but he really was good at, 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 conveying very focused panic yeah yeah 
you know, how like your brain is actually thinking about every single moment you're making and how to make them even more efficient. And you're like, oh, shit, the book. Oh, shit, the water bottle. Oh, shit, my, you know, bloody fucking shirt. It's like all those thoughts were uh-huh. racing through his mind. And um, it was really effective at, 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 at creating tension. Yeah, I bought that it was really going on right away. Like, I didn't even think about a dream or anything. All right. And I don't know why that is, because I could certainly see why you would interpret that way. Uh, but, yeah, I, I was hook, line, and sinker there. Um, it, this scene gets, throughout the episode, m- so much better. I mean, once they start actually fighting and you've got the guy on the floor, mm-hmm. uh, wow, wow, what a performance. But we'll yeah. get there. Now, I, I was actually saying on Twitter that he should have <laughs> tied this guy's shoelaces together when he was standing by the bed. <laughs> I think that would have been awesome. But then he fell on the floor and he's looking right at him. And there was nobody there to choke him out. So I don't know if that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I can agree with that strategy. I don't know. Rick could have jumped out and choked him, maybe. What I mean, if he choked another guy out and nobody heard him, so. What if he, like, uh, held his knife out up against the bed, right right in the middle of it, like braced against his chest, so when that guy landed with his full weight, he just impaled himself? There you go. Perfect. Probably not a great idea either. <laughs> Uh, so Michonne and Carl clear some more rooms, and Carl gets some more answers. And then they find this really creepy painting that leads Michonne into a back room where she finds out that the family who lived in this house committed suicide together. Right. Uh, this was a dark scene, and it starts out so innocently. I love how – I love the shift in tone that it takes when she opens the picture. Yeah. Uh, and sees what it is when when Carl is not there and – Oh, man. Um, Things are about to get unhinged. And they started playing the Walking Dead unhinged music. Yep, yep. Uh, I So what do you think about Michonne allowing another question to be asked because he found a picture? Uh, I mean, I mean, this is just a bullshit way to get more questions out of her, right? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, just, they're, they're playing a game at this point. So it's kind of like Calvin Ball. The rules are not yeah, really yeah. important it's, and, and, and they're not really even the point. It's the it's yeah. interaction between the two. Okay. Um, and I, and we noticed that, like, once um, Michonne kind of goes back into that room, the it, it, it feels like it kind of gets, the rooms kind of get more and more innocent, whereas the things that are happening in the rooms get more and more horrifying yeah. as she goes deeper into the house. And I'm on pins and needles because I just feel like one of these days I'm going to see a zombie baby and I wasn't, I'm not going to be able to handle it. <laughs> In fact, I was uh, – I won't say disappointed because that makes me sound like a psychopath. But mm-hmm. I thought it would have been a little bit more effective if those corpses had been chill- like noticeably children. I didn't think they were. They looked like they were all like teenagers and a mom. Um, uh, they looked fairly young to me. I'd say maybe like 10 or so. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's hard to age a mummy. Um, but the other thing I, um, I, I'm always tense in these scenes and it's the same way if I ever play a video game where there's like the hint of something supernatural might happen, like say an uncharted and there's like a dead body on the ground or, um, tomb Raider, there's a dead body on the ground. I'm not going to unload a whole clip of ammunition on that just to be fucking sure (laughs) because I, yeah, they look desiccated and yeah, they're looking peaceful and it looks like mm-hmm. they just blew each other's heads head off. But, man, I would not get that close without giving them all a double tap or a pickaxe through the head. And I'm just yeah. like, uh, it, that kind of tension eats me alive. Yeah, I'm a zombies sucker for are it. the perfect 
vehicle for that, right? Because right. you don't really ever know if one has been shot in the head until you get close enough to examine it. Yeah, and for some reason... Uh, and Resident Evil is a perfect example of that, the games. I'm oh, yeah. Um, and, and for some reason, like, zombies just suddenly popping out of, like, a, a, a wall of ivy I doesn't mm-hmm. do that for me. But, like, if they're just bodies present... Like, like one of the creepiest scenes for me in The Walking Dead was uh, in the pilot episode, Andrew Lincoln sneak, sneaking past all those bodies wrapped up in sheets in the hospital. Because you just, yeah. you know what he doesn't, which is any one of these fuckers could get up and eat him for breakfast. Yeah, and, it's all about the tension created when you see a potential threat, right? Yeah, and the fact that in this, this we've talked about this in Walking Dead history, they used to do a much better job of mixing up tension that doesn't pay off in a zombie attack with tension <laughs> yeah. that does pay off in a zombie attack. And uh, to me, that's, they just sucker me in every single time if they would just keep, keep that balance right. Like a two-to-one mm-hmm. ratio of, of tension that doesn't pay off, or not even with a jump scare, and, and tension that does pay off. Yeah, definitely. Uh, also, at the end of the scene, Carl, we find out, assumes that Judith is dead. Um, I, I mean, I guess we kind of knew that already. But that sets up... Um, Something that we talked about a little bit in the instant cast, but I think is really interesting, the idea that she is not dead, um, and that something may potentially happen to her, or they may get back together. Uh, there could be some interesting stuff to happen with that. So okay. We'll see in future episodes. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still on I'm still on the fence, leaning towards getting off uh, the, the, the baby fence, thinking that... Uh, I'm just worried that this is going to be more... Uh, da- da- baby danger exploitation and less using Judith being alive or not being alive to tell us something about Rick and, and Michonne and Carl because you know there's no chance of any plot developments happening on Judith's end she's a fucking baby right yeah, um, sure. they're they're human larvae until they get to be two three years old uh, Rick and Carl is interesting but that's you know it, it, it'd just be stronger if she were perhaps older um and and I still have this the sick feeling in the pit of my stomach that she's not long for the world. So how many times can they endanger her and get our blood pumping before they finally kill her? Although there's a lot of people saying that I'm full of shit and that Judith is a symbol of hope that everyone's going to rally around throughout the series. But yeah, it's possible, I guess. So so I mean, do we need a Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen? Uh, type deal going on in the walking dead so it's like even if that's true that that's i i i'm i'm a little worried about that what do you you think she's the new herschel she just can't speak to inspire hope (laughs) uh i don't know yeah herschel could could rack a shotgun and and whip people's legs off and stitch you up and inject you with drugs i mean he, he was he had a lot more utility than just as a spouting font of hope fair enough all right, so another guy decides that he wants the bed that Rick is under. Uh, there is a scuffle between these two guys, and one of the guys is put to sleep, put to sleep for like yeah. an hour and a half. If you were knocked out that long, you need to go to the hospital because you are in trouble. Well, <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, I've been knocked out, and, and I've been choked out, and usually as soon as someone lets go, you wake up pretty soon, um, yeah. almost immediately. Uh, my only thing is I'm going to give the show a little bit of credit. I'm going to engage those emergency suspension of dis- the disbelief thrusters, engage the full <laughs> power, and say that both these guys were probably fucking drunk. 
Mm-hmm. The one guy just woken up from a pretty sound sleep, so he's groggy anyway. So basically, this his his sleeper hold was the equivalent of an a- extra strength Ambien. It just <laughs> it just 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 a massive dose of melatonin. He went to sleep, and that's he that's what he wanted yep. to do anyway. Why is his body in a hurry to wake him up? He's going <laughs> Man, to see- if only you could package that up and sell it. <laughs> <laughs> Lick, liquid sleeper hold. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's so. That's I don't know. You think that's uh, a good rationalization or is a horseshit? I guess I'll give it to him. He was just. It felt like he was out for a very long time. The other guy had time to like fall asleep and everything. Well, so. and yeah, and the other guy clearly wasn't dead. We saw him breathing. And also, if yes. that guy choked him out and or, and not just choked him out, but killed him, and then went to sleep with him at the foot of his bed, idiot survivor <laughs> of the week, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So it's like, and I just I thought that they did a. They they intentionally showed him breathing, uh, so yeah, yeah, they did. That's that's my thought on it. Okay, uh, Glenn wakes up in Abraham's truck and he decides that he wants to get out, so he makes him stop it. Um, he jumps out and he goes back for Maggie, but Abraham doesn't want him to. And uh, there's a conversation for a while, and then they fight. And oh my God, Eugene shoots up the truck and everything else within a fifty mile radius of the truck. <laughs> Yeah, this guy. This guy. Okay. Idiot Survivor of the Week, easily. Right. Uh, I don't care how smart you think you are. You are the Idiot Survivor. This guy is in- intentionally written to be terrible, right? I'm I'm really curious about this guy's story. Like, maybe it just says something about what a sucker I am, but the fact that they wrote him so weird and he played it so weird i'm now curious about his motives and what he's actually there for huh. because i don't buy that he's a scientist with the answer to everything no really no um, no i do not well so i know what goes on in the comic books and uh-huh. already it's kind of diverged a little bit so i'm on the fence about whether i can give a theory but i'm just going to save it for the very beginning of the spoiler section just to be safe because i was thinking about this the next day and, like, you know, God, Walking Dead is a toss-up between them intentionally writing someone that's stupid and annoying, um, and maybe they're going to redeem him later. I, me- I remember I really hated Poindexter. Poindexter came across as kind of like this guy. He just didn't have a chance to really hose down bullets in the survivor's direction and disable a vehicle <laughs> to where you really, really wanted to fucking kill him. Um uh-huh. But I, I've got I've got some stuff to say about that that's not, you know, is it a comic spoiler? Is it a TV spoiler? If 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 I know what happens in the comic, but it doesn't happen the same as the television show, do I have spoiler knowledge, or is it like I'm from an alternate universe? I have no idea, man. I don't know either, but I I think we're safest if we save it for the beginning of the spoiler section. Okay, and then the, the people that people that want to hear my half-informed comic spoiler, but don't consider that spoiler, can can listen and then turn off as soon as I'm done talking with that. And people that want to remain pristine can. Uh, can uh, shut off at the music, the spoiler music. Sure. Uh, the other thing about Eugene that I don't understand is how the hell he has survived so long. He is obviously unequipped to deal with even a single walker. As soon as mm. he sees that thing come out of the woods, he's like, hey, Abraham, hey, Abraham, I need your help. I don't know how to deal with this. Yeah, well, I mean, we don't know how long on? he's... We don't know how long he's been with Abraham. We don't know what he was doing before Abraham... Um, it's I mean, got to be from the beginning. Otherwise, he'd be dead. But, I mean, compare and contrast him and Tara. I mean, Tara was that was that stupid, um, b- you know, before someone had to tell him, shoot him in the head, dumbass. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, so, again, 
Um, uh, it, 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 clearly the guys is, is really hateable and really annoying. And that whole, I mean, I, I also feel like that there's something maybe wrong with him and he's, he's got something, some kind of emotional disability or some kind of, you know, on the autism spectrum or Asperger spectrum, or he's, mm-hmm. you know, because, because I, I, I don't believe if he said something that condescending to Abraham and Abraham didn't know that there was maybe a little something weird about him, that Abraham just wouldn't stomp him into the ground. Although it does seem like Abraham really believes in this mission. Yeah. Yeah, he does. I think. Um, uh, and, and Tara and him kind of talk about that toward the end of the episode. Right, right. Um, so maybe we'll save that discussion for then. Uh, so we go back to Rick, and once the guy on the bed falls asleep, he decides he's going to move out, and he's going to go to another room in the house. He almost gets caught by tennis ball guy uh, in... I, I don't know. This scene wasn't as tense for me because I kind of knew what they were going to do here. Um, well, I mean, you know they're not going to happen. You... you you know they're not going to kill Rick, but I I was still tense because there's a lot of things. I mean, look at Glenn and Maggie from last season. There's a lot of things that can be done and not kill you that would still be unpleasant to watch and something you wouldn't wish on your hero character. Sure. So I I was scared for Rick, if not his mortal soul, uh, for the what little remains of his bodily integrity <laughs> um, throughout the whole episode, honestly. Uh, then he goes into the bathroom and... <laughs> he kills a guy pretty loudly. Like, yeah, they are smashing with, with, shit up. They fall on the floor. How can they not hear this commotion? Um, That's maybe like this guy's just an exceptionally loud masturbator. <laughs> They're just there's Leroy like, again. He's at it one last time, this, huh? This this guy is like no holds barred. He's in there gasping <laughs> and banging walls and and slamming choking the, himself the out his feet. Yeah, he's got some autoerotic fixation going. <laughs> um, they just like no one's going to open that door because, <laughs> as a lot of people point out, he wasn't taking a shit. No, this he wasn't was John not. Travolta lurching from the throne in Pulp Fiction. Uh-huh. This man had his, his his pants up. He's sitting on a closed lid. I kind of think that he was going to settle in for a, a little, you know, a little post apocalyptic jerk session. He he might have been. Yeah, D- he didn't have like a book in his hand or anything, did he? He's got the indelible images burnt into his mind from many long years surfing the darker sections <laughs> I was, of the internet. I was talking about a real warm. book, like you would read, not the picture book. Oh, oh, okay. I was wondering if he was. We sitting just down have different with... reading materials in our bathrooms, Jim. I guess is what I. Was... Uh, yeah. It, so if no one hears that, um, then Rick sneaks out onto the rooftop, and he goes down to ground level <laughs> near the front porch. Again, uh, you know, you and I used to live together, and I got on the house every once in a while to do some goddamn thing. Yep, yep. Uh, how quiet was that for you, uh, li- li- being inside the house while I was walking around? Not at all. And, and like, if I if I was at my stealthiest and quietest, how do you th- still think you'd be like, what the fuck is going on on the roof? Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, what if, if I fell on, on the roof? Half ripped off the gutter and collapsed bodily onto the back porch. Would you? Would you wonder what was going on then? I would definitely hear that and wonder. Yeah, but again, I just, I just engaged. I diverted all power from the deflectors to the emergency suspension thrusters and was able to power through that scene. Yeah, I mean the the rest of the stuff with Rick is so good that 
I hate to fault it too much for some. And of the... there was some clever stuff, like he the way he left the bathroom door cracked open. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, for his easy bake zombie action. It's like yeah, which uh, pays off later. I'm not sure how many people actually realize that that's what happened there. I didn't. I didn't uh, the first uh, the first watch through either. I yeah, was me like, either. Why? So because I couldn't remember if the door was cracked open or if it was shut. And I'm thinking, well, maybe he's trying to return it back to. The, and then I realized when you hear the commotion going on once he uh, gets out of there. Um, what do you do? You think we'll see these guys again? Uh, no. I I mean. We didn't actually really see the survivors' uh, faces, so I don't think we would recognize them if we did see them. The only guy we what? saw was the guy on the front porch, right? And I, I guess, and I didn't know this because I'm I'm old, but I'm not that old. Uh, he was a recurring uh, character uh, from China Beach. Oh, okay. Um, I don't even know what that is. It was... Um, Man, God, I sound like a fucking idiot. I think it was set in in Korea, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, but it was a serial on network television mm-hmm. um, that was really popular for several years back in the late '80s, early '90s. Um, so it, I don't. It, it seems like that that's a little bit uh, notable for a guy that they're just going to throw away. Sure, and yeah. also, you know, do you think that these guys are connected to the two yahoos we saw in Nebraska? Because we're in, uh, still in the same general area here. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I I really have no idea on that. We probably will never. I mean, how would we? How would we ever make that connection? Yeah, uh, unless their names are specifically mentioned. Uh, I don't know. The, the writers will have to make a point of that. Yeah, I don't even know how they do that. So maybe that's a silly question. But I, I feel like we'll see these guys again. Okay. Uh, so then we go back to Abraham and his group. Um, he tells a story while he's working on the truck that illustrates how solid the truck is and how fucking stupid Eugene is. <laughs> uh, Glenn takes off and everyone decides they're going to follow him now that they have no uh, vehicle. Yeah. Um, against uh, uh, Abraham's better judgment. And uh-huh. it, it, he does have a good point there, right? Um you know, it's like we're we're talking about the fate of all humanity. We're talking about saving the world versus this guy's wife. Sure. Um, I I felt like um, this scene fell a little bit flat for me because I just I thought Glenn was just a jackass. Like I buy I buy him waking up here in three hours. We've been driving and frantically banging on the windshield till he till he um, stops. Mm-hmm. I don't buy him silently stalking off like fucking Shane. Uh. Uh, not Shane from The Walking Dead, Shane from the movie, the Shane, Shane, um, and 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 then socking Abraham. That's the part that gets me. For no good reason. Like, why not use your words, man? It turns out Abraham somehow knew about his wife. I guess Tara had, like, yeah. uh, absorbed all this knowledge from Glenn and, and saw fit to, to, to explain it all to well, Abraham, and Abraham gave a shit. It's the fist bump. Gave a shit. It's like a Vulcan mind meld. She fist bumps ah. somebody, and boom, they know everything she does. I see. It's like getting jacked into the Matrix. Exactly. Um, but I, I, I just that seemed like wildly out of character for Glenn, and it's another a little bit a little bit bacon gauntlet for me. Yeah. A little bit ham fisted to like, wow, this guy's serious about getting back to his wife. Completely. There was no need for that, uh, and in the end, Abraham let him walk off anyway. So. Right. Yeah, I felt like that was totally unnecessary and out of character for Glenn, honestly. Indeed. And Glenn, 
uh, Glenn's a tough guy, and Glenn's got a lot of metal. I mean, you know, Glenn took down a walker that he was tied up into a chair with, uh, you know, basically his bare hands and a shattered piece of chair, and then he killed a dude with a femur bone. He's 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 kind of a badass, but he's not the kind of badass that's just going to punch a square hunk of granite, granite like Abraham. <laughs> sure. So uh, so let's talk about Rosita real quick because she picks up the picture of Maggie and hands it back to Glenn after taking a look at it. And I caught something in her eye there, like she felt bad for Glenn at that moment, uh, that he had lost Maggie. Or <laughs> I, I don't know what it was. so out of your league, dude. I can, <laughs> uh, Rosita? I can, Is that a Glenn's yeah. league? No, 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 no uh, Maggie. Oh, oh She's yeah. She's like, yeah. I, can, I can see the obsession here. Yeah, you better <laughs> thank your stars for the zombie apocalypse because that's the only way you get that woman. <laughs> yep. Did you recognize Rosita? Recognize her? Rosita is the nerdy girl fr- uh, from Twilight. Oh, God, no. The nerdy I girl didn't. in Bella's circle of friends. No, she looks totally different, right? Oh, yeah, I didn't recognize her. I just I got that off of uh, some casting site. Huh. But uh, I was like, huh. And And before everybody makes fun of me, Although you can still make fun of me, the only reason I know about Twilight is because of the fabulous Rift Tracks editions. Yep. Which, if you haven't seen them, you really need to. They're pretty fucking good. Agreed. Uh, so there's this shot at the very end where they're all kind of walking up this road, and you see a shot of Abraham, and it zooms over to Eugene. I, I get a bad feeling from this single shot about Eugene. It's yeah. something nefarious in his motives, the way he's kind of smirking in that shot. Yeah, he's after got having a, just told off Abraham. He's got a there's something menacing and off kilter about his overbite and, <laughs> and and the way it contrasts with the mullet. Uh-huh. It's it's spooky. I'm feeling you there. Yeah, so I I really hope they unravel that mystery uh throughout this rest of the half of the season. It almost feels like they're hitting it a little too hard. Maybe. I mean, it was very subtle there at you the end. You thought so? Yeah. Uh, because he had that smirk on his face most of the time. Right. Like I when guess he was that's telling fair. off Abraham, he kind of still had that smirk. Like, oh, I'm smarter than you. Yeah, I guess that's fair. But it's just the way they shot it and that they lingered on him at the very end last. Uh, to me, that's the that's the over-the-top part. It's like, okay. Um you know, you want somebody to think of something and, and, and for the audience to be like, aha, that's the kind of shot you do, you, you do, you, you give them. Sure. And I feel like it's just a little maybe early in the season to start uh, letting the cards get that far away from your chest. All right. So then we best, go. If you will. We go back to Rick. Um, he's still ducked down by the front porch and this guy's whistling uh, and smoking outside. And then he sees Carl and Michonne returning, which this was awesome because not because I knew like when Rick was hiding under the bed, not only does he have to deal with these guys, but he's got to also warn Carl and Michonne. Very good point. Uh, and so I was waiting for this, and I'm really glad they had him do it. Um, yeah, because because I was thinking that man, just as soon as you think he's going to get away, uh, Carl and Michonne are going to come up and unwittingly fuck things up. Yeah. But, they actually subverted that expectation by having them get away by the skin of their teeth. Yeah, and it worked out perfectly with, you know, Rick leaving the door halfway ajar uh, uh-huh. to the bathroom. That that was well plotted and well played by the, the writers and everybody. 
and it makes it makes uh it makes Rick it you know watch out incoming breaking bad comparison <laughs> but some of the best parts especially in the early going of breaking bad was seeing Walter White in just sheer panic mode thinking fast and on his feet and winning by by a hair's breadth and Rick came across very um you know every man he wasn't I guess John McClane in the first couple are, are a good example of this too not so much the later, but he's the everyman guy who's just put in this situ- extreme situation and by his guts and his grit and his uh, intelligence, quick thinking on his feet, he's able to avoid uh, uh, death. And I, again, watch out, just made a favorable comparison in The Walking Dead to The Breaking Bad. Yeah, uh, I'm with you, though. It's, it's a fair one. Uh, so he runs out to meet those guys, and they get the hell out of there. Um, then we go back to Abraham and he's telling Tara that he likes her loyalty and that he can tell she's a good person. Um, but saving the world is more important to him, which is funny because I thought, I see, I thought that was kind of black comedy. Uh-huh. He's saying all this about Tara, which we know is bullshit. <laughs> like sure. she's not loyal to Glenn. They just m- literally met and she was trying to kill him a few hours ago. Yeah. And she points um, that out to him. She's like, I'm not a yeah. good person. You don't even know me. Right, right, right. So I, I like the fact that they kind of lampshaded that. Now, what do you make of Tara not believing that Abraham just wants to save the world? Should we trust Tara's judgment here? Uh, Tara's never given me uh, overly perceptive <laughs> vibes. <laughs> okay. So, no. I'm going to go with no on that. All right. Yeah, I, I believed she, Abraham more than her this time. Yeah, she she... She very well may be right, but I'm. Uh, it, it's going to be by accident, not not any kind of science or witchcraft she possesses. Yeah. Uh, it also seems unlikely to me that Eugene will save the world, not only because he looks and seems like a dumbass, but the show really couldn't survive that, right? I mean, maybe they could take it in an interesting direction if he did actually have information, but he could never reveal that information, and they could never use that information. Yeah, uh, it's a different kind of show. Although, you know, it, it heads in more of kind of like the be- the lost, uh, where where you've got like you know people on a mission and and there's a meaning and there's light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best things about Walking Dead is also one of the worst things about Walking Dead, which is there just really isn't a lot of hope. Sure, you know your your long term best effort is you. You survive the 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 Walking Dead. You survive the Living Killers, and in thirty forty years, this burns itself out, and you go back to a sustenance agrarian lifestyle uh, with no antibiotics or modern technology or medicine. It's it's grim. It's True. grim. Yeah, it's like set even us if, back thousands of years. I mean, even if they found a surefire cure, I mean, they're they're, they're obviously not going to cure the existing zombies. Uh huh. And I've heard estimates of, like, over 90% of humanity dead. That is it's, – it's too late. It's too late. Even if you had a cure, you're still – it's too late to preserve society as we know it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you now just have these pockets that you can hope to preserve. And, and you can get a little bit going, but, you know, there's just not enough critical mass of – the technology, the raw materials, the energy the, to to make a go of anything other than, like you said, small pockets of, you know, people using Amish levels techn- of, of technology. Sure. Uh, so we get to the final scene where Michonne, Carl, and Rick find a sign that's pointing them down the tracks to uh, Terminus, 
I guess, which is where uh, uh, Tyrese was headed, right? Yep. Uh, and they decide they're going to follow it as well. So they'll Those who be arrive, survive, Jim. What? Those who arrive, survive. <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, Seems so, like this is the the hook to bring uh, everybody back together into the fold. I I think so. I mean, some of the characters haven't found it yet, but maybe they will. Yeah. Uh, or maybe we'll spend a lot of time with a couple of groups: the groups who find the terminus signs and the groups who don't. It is a little odd, and that's the other thing where I wish I didn't have to put this out of the back of my head. But it's really odd, a group living in that prison that had regular patrols and regular sur- uh, scavenging and supply runs did not find any evidence of this terminus. Yeah. I mean, maybe the signs so, are very recent, but they don't look like it. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, um, didn't Michonne at one point said that she had scouted out, like, in a 50-mile radius all the big towns and stuff? Yeah. And there didn't notice any terminus signs in those big towns? Uh-huh. Meh. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm run- my thrusters are running out of power, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we're done with the recap, so you don't really oh, need them whew. anymore. I got a whole week to recharge them. Yeah. Why don't we do some pimping? How about that? So, yeah, I've got some exciting news to talk about. Um, Jim and I are going to start full-time podcasting in April. Uh, we just uh, told our employers our intention to do this. Uh, we've got some funding uh, secured. We've pushed our retirement accounts and savings accounts into the middle of the table, and we are going to make a go of ramping up a shit ton of content, really polishing the stuff that we got, um, and trying to give everybody what they want, which is, you know, we it 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 is super annoying to us when people ask us to cover like Justified, and we just can't do it because we don't have the time. We don't have the energy between our jobs and our families and, you know, personal maintenance and the podcast or, you know, not having not being able to have the time to do the True Detective podcast. Um, it stings like a and, and justified. It stings like a fissure in my ass every single time we let one of these great shows go. And we decide in 2014, no more. Um, so we've got some new funding options. Uh, the one we're going to talk about tonight that is involved in the contest is Subbable.com. Uh, Subbable is a creation of the Vlogbrothers, uh, John and Hank Green, who are uh, famous for the YouTube series Crash Course World History, U.S. History, Chemistry. Um, they're uh, local Indianapolis boys, uh, made good, and we partnered with them. Uh, there's not very many creators on this now. We're kind of one of the pilot ones, and Subbable is this interesting concept. It's a, it's a combination voluntary subscription service and ongoing Kickstarter campaign. Um, so you sign up for an account, and you can – first of all, you can sign up for free. You go to subbable.com slash baldmove, um, and you can decide to either spend the one-time amount to support us, or you can say, I want to spend a dollar or five dollars or whatever a month. And the cool thing is every dollar you spend accrues into an account that they called perks. And as you save up various amounts, you can turn those in t- for rewards, and we've got a list of, of rewards. We've we've actually got three or four more we're going to do that we didn't have time to get the either programming on our site done or the physical fulfillment. Uh, we weren't confident we could pull it off. Um, but the way this ties into our contest is we are going to give two tickets away to two people that sign up for a subable account this week. Uh, from now until Friday evening, 
Um, we're going to cut it off, let's say, 6, at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Friday. Uh, sign up. Go to subbable.com slash baldmove. You, if you got a Google account, you're already ready to go. You just have to click a button to subscribe to us. Um, and you, you do not have to spend any money. I mean, obviously, we'd appreciate it if you do. But that will enter you into the contest. And if you want to win, because it's we flatter ourselves that we'll have more people sign up than actually want to in, enter the contest, um, send us an email with the subject line contest uh, from the email that you use to register your subable account, and that will be your entry into the contest. And we're going to take all those emails, we're going to randomly select two of them, and we're going to give you two three-day passes to Walker StockerCon in Chicago, uh, March 12th through March 14th. Uh, they're worth $100 a piece. That's a $200 prize. Very generous of Eric and James to give this away as a promotion. Um, you know, if you listened to us last season, we were really huge fans of Walker StockerCon. It's a lot of fun. Great way to meet the stars and get exclusive access to them. They got fantastic panels. Um, they got great uh, and, and uh, unique zombie-themed merchandise and science fiction and fantasy merchandise. It's just a lot of fun to geek out with your fellow fans. Jim and I will be there. We're going to have a panel on podcasting with some of the other Walking Dead podcasters. Um, really hoping you guys bring the booze on that. But it's simple. All you got to do is go to subbable.com slash baldmove. Uh, subscribe to us and send us an email with the word contest in the subject line and you're entered. Um, but yeah, we're really hoping you guys, this is part of our support system. We're kind of moving away from the Kickstarter and more in this ongoing campaign. We've also got some advertising and some other revenue streams that we're, we're looking at and always, you know, amazon.baldmove.com is important too, but we are going to double, triple, quadruple the content that we produce um, all the great television shows that we missed in the past, uh, you know, getting the final season of Boardwalk Empire, uh, getting uh, The Bridge, uh, getting The Americans, um, getting to the back catalog of Breaking Bad. The sky's the limit. And we really want to work hard and make this work and earn your guys' uh, patronage and earn your guys' uh, backing on Subbable. And that's all I got to say about that. Do you have any – do you have any – uh, anything you want to add to that call to action? Uh, no, I don't. That was good. <laughs> um, as far as other pimping, you know, baldmove.com, obviously you know where the place to go to talk about good television. Uh, not just uh, Walking Dead, but we got a bunch of other casts, including Tom and Kelly's uh, fantastic Downton Abbey series. Don't forget the boys from Seattle, Personal Arrogance, talking about beard, board games, and other fun stuff. The Because Show Ladies, which I will be doing some... Um, girls wrap up podcasting with Susan and I will be doing some Orange is the New Black podcasting for the new season with Amy and uh, Susan as well. Really looking forward to that. They got a great show. They're hilarious. The Because Show. Um, as always, you can support us by going to iTunes and giving us a positive review. You can send us feedback at watchingdeadatballmove.com and you can use your amazon.ballmove.com link. It's a great way if you're shopping on Amazon anyway. It basically gives us free money at no cost to you. So you can give us money straight up through Subbable and get some cool rewards on the back end. Or you can sideways give us money through Amazon, through siphoning out of Jeff Bezos' wallet. Um, but uh, every, uh, we appreciate everything you do do. It does keep our lights on and our hard drive spinning. So... Thank you for your support thus far. 2013 was exciting, and we think 2014 is going to be insane. 
All right, let's get to the feedback section. Okay, Sarah G said regarding your instant cast, there is such a thing as an earth-shattering boo. Have you never seen The Princess Bride? I don't know, well, Jim. Have you? <laughs> as a matter of fact, no, I have not seen The Princess Bride. Yeah, and he never will because he's a stubborn asshole. <laughs> but uh, fair point there, Sarah. Mike from New Jersey said, was that guy shitting with the lid closed? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. <laughs> You've heard my take. I think he was just an epic jerker. Shitting with his pants on, too. <laughs> if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> Mike E. says, holy incredulity, Batman. They never ran across signs of Terminus till now, not scavenging those lonely months of wandering for the governor. Was the prison team just avoiding the train tracks for some reason? I mean, there are multiple well-placed notices for this place less than a day's stumble from prison. Maybe Team Prison has a weird no railroad tracks rule, but it belies how little the production team has fleshed out the broader world these characters live in. A theme we'll be revisiting, I'm sure. Uh, very fair point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we talked about why the hell hasn't Michonne at least seen them. Um, yeah, like I said, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a structural problem that goes back seasons. And, and and is laid at the feet of how long they've been at the prison and whether that was a good idea or not. Um, I don't think there's anything they can do about it now. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 a fair point to wonder about. Uh, he says, I'm wondering if Rick's Marauders will show back up. Dude who passed for a leader, the tennis ball guy, was a recognizable actor, even if I can't name him. And was that guy in Rick's bedroom killed over to bed dispute or just put in the sleeper hold a la Brutus the Barber? How do these guys survive if they're killing each other so quickly over stupid shit? Fair point. Well, we, we, yeah, we talked about all that too. Well, I mean, that's. I mean, if your group is that psychotic, mm-hmm. that is running around giving each other sleeper holds, and uh, although to be fair, it was a non-fatal fight. Yeah, but I mean, they fought very easily. Well, so did so did uh, Ed Norton and Brad Pitt, but they were buddies. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but, is... but but it was all Ed Norton. That's the problem. There. <laughs> Uh, he beat the shit out of uh, Fat Tits Meatloaf, too. <laughs> yeah. He beat did. the hell out of that pretty guy. Oh, my God. Um, so maybe this is a post-apocalyptic fight club. Could be. Uh, I'm wondering... Okay, whoop, whoop, that's the same bullet point there, Jose. Uh, what When they said Eugene had a satellite phone, it occurred to me that the show hasn't really grappled with what is happening to old technology. I know mid-level expectations are bound to uh, are bound for heartbreak. I'd love to see a satellite streaking through the atmosphere because its orbit degraded or hear stories that some a-hole broke the nuke into a nuke silo and set one off. We should at least hear some campfire stories about this, right? That would be some cool world building. Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, you, like you meet up with Abraham and he tells you these stories instead of the story about how Eugene uh, is a dumbass for shooting up the truck. Yeah. Uh, and every single night you can go outside right now and see satellites and the space station whiz overhead and mm-hmm. as he said, as as their orbits degrade, you'd see them burning up. Um, so yeah, that's that is interesting. How long would that shit work after the switch has been thrown off? I feel like it hasn't been too long for satellites to still be in orbit, right? But they're still pointing in the right direction. I mean, I don't know how many constant adjustments they have to they have to make there. Anyway, interesting point, and I think that would be some good uh, world building. Mark D says, just listen to your instant cast, and you mentioned Baby Judith, and you think she'll eventually die. You also mentioned Mullet Man and how big of an idiot you think he is, yet he may have the cure. Now, what if Judith actually carries the cure, or perhaps not cure but solution? Uh-oh, shades of the last of us here. What if mm-hmm. babies born into the initial outbreak don't have the virus? 
that turns their dead bodies into babies or zombies. <laughs> turns their dead bodies into into babies. It's a self perpetuating dead baby joke. <laughs> Think about it. Have we seen a person born after the outbreak die in turn? Not that I recall. No zombie babies yet, Jim. He's got a strong point. Yeah, he does. What if at the camp or somewhere Judith does die? Not from the object that the uh, not from an object that the brain. Wait, not from an object in, to the brain, and not from a bite. Perhaps by a mishandling of little girls, but she never turns. This showing that a new generation of children, although hard to keep alive in this apocalypse, is actually the cure slash solution for the human race to continue. Uh, compare Judith to Eugene. Both are being escorted. If my theory is correct, both may be able to change the world forever. Both are apparently useless to their groups. Both actually put the group in more danger. One cries, the other shoots like my grandpa does when handling an Xbox controller. But perhaps Judith is the answer while we as the audience are looking towards Mullet Man. That's a really interesting twist if they want to go that direction. It would be an interesting uh, the contrast. I- yeah, the idea, especially with my idea that I've been waiting for a zombie baby so long, if there was no such thing as a zombie baby in this new world, I would be both disappointed and intrigued at the same time. Huh. Yeah, I mean, would it be important for you for the science of that to work out, or if they just said by fiat, all babies born after the apocalypse are immune, or 50% of them are immune from zombie infection? Would you be cool with that? Uh, I yeah, I'd I'd probably suspend my disbelief. Yeah, if they want to make up a rule and there's nothing in their universe that directly contradicts it, okay, fine. Um, all right. Uh, Bill G says it seems reasonable to think that they would be able to match the color of Abraham's hair and handlebar mustache. One is Opie <laughs> red, and the other is Pamela Anderson blonde. I think a real redhead would have matching head and facial hair. Um, uh, that's not true. I, I actually know a guy who has, uh, brownish hair and a bright red beard. Are you talking about J-Rad? Yes, I am. I, yes, I am. disagree with your characterization, characterization of his hair. Um, but it's certainly not as fucking red as his beard. Um, no, it's like a brownish blondish color. Uh, also, uh, when we met them last week and through this episode, they look like they just showered and got their clothes off the rack at a Bass Pro Shop. Considering they've been on the road for quite some time, they should look a little bit more haggard and road-worn. Um, I don't know. I think that's the whole sleeveless thing, man. The uh, prime soiling is <laughs> coming from the pits. You remove the pit from the equation, and you, you got pristine, fresh clothes. That's true. Also, there are there are tons of clothes around in the zombie apocalypse, right? The fit Abraham? <laughs> yeah, even a guy like Abraham. You you're spo- that's spoken like an average built man. You <laughs> okay. you go to fucking you jean have to go shops, to special stores. You go to fucking jean shops and it's a wonderland of everything fucking fits <laughs> you. I go in there and it's like of course they don't have my size. Huh. Try try being at either end of the bell curve, man. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, Bill G continues, some of the dialogue made me a bit crazy, specifically the conversation between Abraham and Tara. I have some background context as I've read the comic, uh, but I actually chuckled when Tara and Abraham were talking about why he was on his mission. Tara came that she knew why Rosita was doing it, because she loves Abraham and would follow him anywhere. Where's that coming from? So far, Rosita makes early Michonne look a little like Little Miss Sunshine, and she's not shown one ounce of affection for Abraham. To top it off, Rosita was happy to walk away from Abraham and follow Glenn after Eugene killed the truck. I think that if she loved him that much, she would have waited for him to make the decision. I hate to do it, but my best Jim is Daryl Axon. I have to call... Bullshit! Right here. <laughs> uh, what do you think, man? Uh, I I never picked up on the idea that 
they were in love. Yeah, I I I think it's too early to make any calls about that. And if you're going off comic book type stuff, we have I mean they have very little of that kind of respect for a source material. In fact, it's almost like Kirkman seems hell bent on telling a tales from the twi- the dark side version of his comic book. So I wouldn't well, I, just because they look exactly like the comic book characters. I would not put faith that they are going to act or have the same backstories as the comic book characters. Yeah, I didn't feel like they gave us any backstory between those three. This episode, right on. Uh, Sarah E said, "Love the chemistry between Rick and Michonne." I don't know if I'd call it a sexual chemistry. It's more of a person chemistry. Uh, I just, I, I feel you. Hmm. I, I see you over there. Yeah. I just enjoy the char- charge between them. Although Rick and Michonne hail from very different backgrounds, she is a sophisticated big city professional. He is a small-town sheriff and family man. They have come to possess a really similar energy. Both are physically and emotionally strong and mentally strong. Both are capable of fierce love and anger. But for the most part, they keep their passions pushed way down, and they move through the world with caution and calculation. This episode is cool in that it showed Rick being more Michonne-like and Michonne being more Rick-like. Rick took on some of Michonne's ninja-like physicality as he deftly avoided the home invasion guys in a controlled, mostly silent choreography. Michonne took on Rick's low-key expressiveness <laughs> by opening up to Carl and stepping in the role of cool adult friend. Uh, I, I like that point that Rick made, too, that he can't be Carl's friend. He's got to be his dad. Yeah. Um. That is a that's an interesting take, and I like that's the kind of cool stuff I like about the Carl and Rick dynamic. Sure, definitely. Um, uh, speaking of his uh, ninja like skills, there, I thought it was really cool what they did with the camera when he was kind of looking around the corner down the stairs. Uh-huh. They kind of you know did a POV angle. Uh-huh. Uh, that was some cool camera work. Um. I don't know where I want the Rick Michonne arc to go. It might be best left as a few charged moments during quiet interactions. Do you get at all romantic energy between uh, Carl, uh, Rick and Michonne? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. And maybe they'll go there, but so far, no. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I can't fault Sarah because I'm, I always ship Don and Peggy from Mad Men, which really creeps people <laughs> out hard. Uh-huh. Um, so I, 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 again, feel you there, but I personally haven't gotten an iota of sexual tension between the two. Um, well, sometimes it's cool to have a male female relationship that is laden with chemistry, but not sexual, or at least not expressed physically like Mueller and Sculder, Mulder and Scully. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's an extreme example because that that relationship, um, especially in later seasons, dripped with sexual tension. Um, uh-huh. So, I don't know if I don't know if that would be interesting to see Rick and uh, Michonne go there. It might be. I'm all for a little bit more because I think that it's fairly unrealistic for a guy who's Rick's age to just give up on the fairer sex altogether. Just just sure. you know go go full time monk mode. Um, and there are not that many options, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more sexual chemistry amongst the survivors and seeing what that would do to their dynamic. Sure, and if you're talking about options, Michonne isn't a bad one even without a zombie apocalypse. So no, she's she <laughs> when she smiles, it's it's uh, it's it's crazy. Uh, yeah. Zach W says, I'm interested to see how the tunnel vision, Glenn Maggie, uh, how the tunnel vision that Glenn Maggie have on each other will affect others. This do or die attitude is going to either lead to one of them or someone else dying. 
I love that Glenn is finally showing his pair. He finally found rushing a group of walkers like a badass by just saying, fuck this, and decking the redheaded Rambo and holding his own a little in the fight. Uh, Zach uh, had the opposite take of us, man. Yeah. Uh, okay, so it's interesting now that I'm thinking back to previous seasons. Didn't Glenn stand up to Merle as well when Merle was trying to leave the prison? Uh, not to the extent that he decked him. I thought they they were fighting and rolling around on the stairs and stuff. Huh. I I have no recollection of that, man. Okay. Maybe I'm, I'm crazy. You're wrong. That's sure, you're wrong. Sure. Um, Tyler S., uh, the resident poet laureate, uh, who uh, has taken it over from uh, Tom G., Apparently, Tom Tom G uh, has has not uh, ha- has not staked his claim back out. There's no there's there's no turf war as of yet. I'll keep you posted on that. Conspiracy theory time. The Gimple has accepted the fact that he will never be able to get the show to Breaking Bad or even justified levels of greatness, <laughs> despite the show's history of med- mediocrity. It inevitably uh, gets hyped up between half seasons to the point that everyone forgets past quality and expects the show to live up to the hype. Aaron is a perfect example of this phenomenon going into this half season. To offset the hype, the Gimple purposely made a shit episode to bring everyone back to reality. Once this was accomplished, he went back to making the same medium-quality show, but now the audience's expectations were lowered to the point where they could enjoy it again. Imagine if the first two episodes of the season had been reversed. I expect more people would have enjoyed Carl's pudding adventure and teen angst a lot more. But maybe the premiere is too high risk and everyone should have just quit watching. Is the Gimple really this inconsistently incompetent, or is he an audience-manipulating mastermind? Uh, I think you're giving him a little too much credit. <laughs> um, so did you, I forget, did you read my uh, blog post on baldmove.com this week? Blog post about? About the, why w- The Walking Dead is so inconsistent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if you haven't, go ch- go to baldmove.com and click on the blog link, and the first article is me. And what I did is I looked at the unsatisfying episodes we've seen in the last few seasons, and I compared the writers and directors of both, and I found some disturbing trends. <laughs> um, the disappointing episodes have directors with almost zero television experience, or they might have directed a comedy. Um, and and the writing, one of the writers, he, he basically wrote The Walking Dead, Power Rangers, and Timon and Pumbaa. Perfect. So, so you and and to me, that shows the AMC is not fooling anyone. This isn't just me making stuff up about this inconsistency. They are bargain basement shopping for their writing and a directorial staff, even though uh, people are available and presumably willing to work on a show. I don't know if they've done it now. I heard that they offered uh, George Martin. Uh, the Game of Thrones author, a chance to write and direct an episode of The Walking Dead for funsies, and he turned them down. <laughs> well, um, do you know why he turned them down? Someone said on Facebook today. Yeah, do you, do you know what his reason for turning them down was? That he just wasn't interested in in writing and directing for this particular world. Okay, fair enough. So um, I, I, I think that if you that, – that this isn't stuff that we're just – and bending in our heads or making it up. There are quality problems. And like last week's episode was credited to two different writers, which they don't 
typically dole out episodes that split up between uh, writers, and I took that as evidence that what I said was correct, and this these were maybe uh, a half of a bad episode and a half of a good episode that they tried to weld together, which is why it didn't hang hang so well. Hmm. And um, I don't know. I thought it was interesting, and I learned a lot. I think I'm going to do that every once in a while, just kind of check whenever we get one that I think is a stinker. I'm going to investigate the staff and see, you know, usually if you get something written by Gimple, it's going to be good. If you get something directed by Kirkman, it's pretty good. Um, obviously something directed by Greg Nicotero. But you've got a lot of people that just have no experience, not not just writing, but writing this type of material and directing this type of material. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't go and, and direct three episodes of Smash on NBC and then come in and direct a intense fight sequence on The Walking Dead. You just can't, I just I just I just think you can. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's it seems like they should be shopping around for, you know, the writers who did Breaking Bad or The Wire or The Shield. I'm pretty sure they're available. They should be. Yeah, you know, M- Michelle McLaren uh, was directing episodes of Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones last year and doing uh-huh. a kick-ass job of both. So, um, other thing I forgot, uh, I took credit accidentally, or I didn't give credit. I gave it a credit to some unknown commentator for the Bat Glen Begins. I actually stole that from Jason Z from, and, uh, uh, one of Natter born contributors, Phil, uh, over at the Nattercast, which if you want to check them out, it's nattercast.blogspot.com. Um, and, you know, I'm, uh, we're pretty friendly with Jason, so I just, it has been a while since we shot, shouted him out, and I didn't want to, uh, gank his, uh, humorous credit without giving him uh, his due there but you'll um, steal from chris hardwick no problem <laughs> no chris hardwick stole from me <laughs> oh okay he I, I i share my google doc of my notes with him during the show and he just <laughs> all the fucking time i see that little box up there it says chris hardwick is browsing and i'm just like hardwick <laughs> moving on eric g was the wilson tool time reference sleeping dude's plan what was wilson's tool time reference sleeping dude's plan um Wilson? The hell is he talking about? Uh, I guess I, I don't know. He says it's a tool time reference. Uh, the guy whose face we never fully see. Or oh, something? I, I get it. So it's it's instead of seeing the top half of his face, we saw the bottom half of his body. I guess. Yeah. Uh, Wilson decides it's a good idea to take a nap with a knocked out slash dead dude lying on the floor next to him. So if he's dead, he reanimates and eats Wilson. If he's knocked out, he wakes up mad as fuck, and Wilson is there defenseless. <laughs> Point of fact, he already beat the guy's ass once. True. I, I think he's pretty convinced that he could do it again. Either Wilson is the dumbest man alive on earth, not to mention the whole notion of fighting over something so goddamn trivial as who gets to sleep in the big boy's bed, or the writers need to step up their game and stop putting senseless shit on screen. Fair point. I can get behind that. Yeah. Tyler P says, really like the whole Michonne and Carl supply run because it's uh, Michonne and Carl. I consider them to have one of the better written relationships in the series, not to mention I like them both as individual characters. We don't get too much of their relationship, and it's not forced down our throats, and I like that. There's just enough there for me to really care. Once in a while, you need to focus on one of these ongoing relationships, and I liked what I got. I love the progression we got in Claimed. Michonne, is this, this season is all about her past, and I'd imagine the next step forward would be for someone else to find out about that past, and I can't think of anyone better than Carl. People tend to forget that Carl was the first person from Rick's group and gave her a real chance He's the reason she was even accepted into the group. Michonne says it herself. She hadn't told anyone else about her son, including Andrea, and I think it's really telling of just how close they are. We knew they were close, but we never really knew how close. Thoughts? Sure, yeah. So, I mean, Carl and Michonne have definitely 
established a relationship in the past. We saw them in clear, uh, really connecting. Uh, they seem to understand each other. And I think um, her telling Carl about her son was kind of a matter of convenience a little bit as well. Because she had just come off of this experience that she had uh, with the dream sequence that we saw a couple of weeks ago. And that had kind of taken her out of the state of mind where she was just not going to talk to anybody about any of this stuff. And so Carl was there. They have a previous relationship. And she decided, I'm going to open up to this kid first. Well, also that piece of dialogue from her where she says, I'm done. I'm through taking taking time off. Exactly. It yeah. was kind of a mission statement for Michonne. She, it's, she has realized the value of fully engaging Yep. Uh, between Rick, Carl, and Daryl, they finally gotten through to her, and uh, she—it seems like she's fully trusting this group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guillermo said, "I wrote to say something about Judith, that cute as hell, surviving eighteen-pound meat sack. I guess the only reason she's still alive is that we can watch this show with her girlfriends without having them saying it's all gory and gross. Not all of our girlfriends are like that. Mine enjoys just like me watching the show, but I know a few cases that this glimpse of cuteness has really worked out." Hell, my girlfriend says she doesn't want to have kids, but every time this little baby comes on screen, she can't help but go, oh, look at her, she's so tiny, or that poor thing, oh, and take that as you want. That could be something good, just as it could be bad for some guys. But seriously, <laughs> I guess the show ends up being about hope, and that little girl is just that, hope. But it's terrible burden to drag a little baby over through the forest in harsh places, not mentioning to get food for her. Um, <laughs> uh, I... I am terrified to make any comment about that that email. <laughs> okay, um, because every um, every every woman that listens to this podcast is either shaking their head in disbelief uh, or enraged at your at the, the at the at the guile you show, Guillermo Guillermo, of claiming that women just like cute babies in a zombie apocalypse. There's some hardcore right. women gorehounds. Sure, absolutely. And there's there's pussies like me. I just can't believe I describe myself as a pussy thereby undermining my point. But there's <laughs> fucking pussies like me that are uh squeamish about gore and horror. So uh-huh. It's it's a it's a um uh it's it's a huge continuum there. Anyway, he says I don't know, maybe I'm wrong and she will end up being nursed by the ghost lorry by the end of the season. Anyway, this baby has the highest acting skills amongst the girls on the show. Wow. wow. That harsh. Harsh. <laughs> harsh Guillermo. Uh, Ocean D, uh, I want to like it, but for some reason it just didn't click with me, and I don't know why. I liked the beginning of the show with Abraham killing the shit out of them walkers. It has great gore. The way he enjoyed it was an interesting insight to his character, and his line, I'm the luckiest guy in the world, was great. Um, I think line of the episode has got to be son of a dick. <laughs> okay. Uh, but anyway, Eugene apparently knowing how the infection started is interesting, but I highly doubt anything will come of it. Also, if he's a scientist smart enough to know how this started and is smarter than Abraham, would he not know that if he's to survive, he needs to learn how to fucking shoot a gun? Everything with Michonne and Carl felt very forced. Talking about soy milk just so he could bring up Judith was bad. I didn't. Fe- it didn't feel real at all. Their game to talk about the past was so stupid. Why couldn't they just have a nice heartfelt scene about them talking uh, about Judith and her child instead of making a completely unreal scene? Rick's story was cool and sometimes had a bit of tension, but mostly I found it boring. I liked how it showed Rick being stealthy around the house, although it would have been better if he'd gone through the house picking off the guys one by one. And how would they not hear him? I mean, a big fight in the bathroom with bangs and shit being flung everywhere and no one heard it. (laughs) I forgot to come back to this. 
I kind of feel like if Rick had his python, he might not have survived this episode. Uh, you think he just would have shot a guy and then the others would have bum-rushed him? They, he, Yeah, I kind of. I kind of do, and they he he had a six shooter, and they had uh, uh, you know, semi-automatic weapons. Yeah, you and could lots of them. You could be right about that. Uh, maybe it was a good thing he didn't have it. Um, no, I think it's stupid that you give your gun away for no good reason. But I'm just saying yeah, that yeah. it might have worked out in this case in a weird way. Uh, so there's uh, the rare take where someone's actually more critical than us, Jim. Sure. Yeah, uh, it wasn't possible last episode, but this episode you could do it. <laughs> um, that's the end of the non-spoiler take. We've got a little bit of uh, spoilers to talk about in the uh, post-spoilers cast, the post-music spoiler cast. Um, and I'll have a little bit of light spoiler take with a little bit of my comic knowledge that I want to talk about with Jim. So if you want to tune in for that, feel free. Uh, if not, you can send us all your feedback at watchingdead@baldmove.com. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook.com slash BaldMove and Jim on Twitter at BaldMove for our live threads and and uh, Twitterings. And that's it. It's time for the spoilers, man. Sounds good. Uh, if you're not going to join us for the spoilers, we'll see you next week after the episode. Uh, if you are, stick around, pass some music. And until then, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. We're back with the spoiler section. What do we have this week? Uh, I want to talk about Eugene. All right, sure. Let's say Eugene is full of shit. I can let, buy that. Let's say he's just a helpless little baby that wants to be protected, and the going to Washington, D.C. at the satellite phone is a MacGuffin. Okay. Him hosing down that uh, truck almost deliberately would be kind of brilliant and then cloaking that behavior with him acting like he has some social emotional problem to keep Abraham from beating the piss out of him. I mean, and then that, and the, and the result of that is walking backwards to another group of survivors that plays kind of smart. Um, why, why do you say that? Because if he gets, if, if, if they're making, Serious progress towards Washington D.C. Uh, and he's just faking it. What's his end game, man? Get to Washington D.C. and say, "Yeah, I was faking it. Peace. I'm out." No, I do not <laughs> think you get you get to do that at the end of the day when you got a guy like Abraham. Yeah, he's not going to let that happen. No, I think that he's. I, I think that he deliberately sabotaged that so that he, again, and I'm not 100 percent sure if he's full of shit or if this is for real. Um, but if it is, if he is full of shit, that would be uh, a, a fairly shrewd move to delay, to delay that as long as he can. Okay. Yeah. I could get behind that. That's uh, I, how many trucks has he shot in the past? Do you think? Um, I don't know. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Um, maybe his plan uh, this would be kind of dark and explain the sinister underbite. Mm-hmm. Um, 
What if his plan is to fall into this group of survivors that seem a little bit kinder, gentler, and less inclined to believe that in his bullshit and less invested in it, and to kill off Abraham and Rosalita through his own incompetence? Ooh. Then he just gets absorbed by the group, and the group's like, you're full of shit, and he's like, okay, well, but you guys seem nice enough, and you're not going to beat the piss out of me, and you're also not going to kick me out. Uh, maybe. I think the first uh, conveyance they were taking toward Washington was a hot air balloon, and he just shot the <laughs> shit out of that. They were crashing down to the ground, lost half the survivor group. Oh, the hum- humanity. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that would make him like a who's – who's that fucker on Battlestar Galactica? Like a bald bal- – Ball, Balthazar, Grapther, Grapthar, Baltar, Grapthar. Um, that would kind of put him in like that ambiguously gray duo <laughs> category. Of is he, <laughs> uh-huh. who's his, where's his loyalties lie at the end of the day? Sure. Uh, Marquis said, "Did y'all notice when Eugene and Abraham start following Glenn and the others? Eugene had a slight smile on his face. It seemed to be because they're heading away from Washington. Hmm, I watched that with mild interest. I did like the semi-humorous stuff with the group. It worked for me, and I think it was intentional. Shows a different way of coping with the Zedpocalypse. To the extent of their dynamic isn't clear. I'm hopeful it's just because they are so new. By the end of this episode, things were starting to fall in place. Um, Marquis is on to my wavelength here. Yeah, I'm getting a very." Uh... Spoilery vibe in this spoiler section. <laughs> well, uh, you can tune out now, man. I'll do a solo spoiler, even though my no, no. throat is threatening to explode. I only got one more. That's what I signed up for. Yeah, let's do this. One more. Matthew S. It's been my experience that the toleration of a character of the character Eugene splits right down the line between comic readers and non-comic readers. I feel that's only because the comic readers know in you know going in that this his story is bullshit, and therefore don't believe that the writers mm. are trying to force another unbelievable misdirection down her throats. My girlfriend hasn't read a single comic and sniffed out Eugene's bull within a half an episode and didn't take much longer for her to figure out why he lied about being a scientist. Now, while this fosters a new rising theme of how many different ways there is to survive in this new world, some through force, Daryl, Rick, Tyrese, Abraham, Michonne, others with their brains and deceit, Glenn, Eugene, Milton, and some using sex, um, Maggie in the comics, and Rosita, I feel that the writers have squandered any benefit of doubt in previous seasons in order to pull this off. Another problem I have is casting Jeff Kober as the head of that Musk Marauder gang. Kober is too much of a name to throw away on that one scene, although no one but you knew his last name was Kober. <laughs> um, I'm worried he's going to make this Walking Dead's, uh, going to be this Walking Dead's universe's Negan. Could they be introducing the Saviors this soon? I'm on record as hoping to hell not, but also being mm-hmm. very afraid that yes, they are. I mean, you have to go back. You'd have to go back to listen to our 409 after spoiler section where we did a a an episode synopsis breakdown. But the end of this, the synopsis for the end of this season is very negalicious. Yeah, what were you going to say, Jim? Uh, I was going to say, what if they had teased him here, and then maybe you know a season from now they start bringing him in? That would be fine. Um, okay. That I mean, yeah, like having the teasing these groups being out there is one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the group reunites along various points along the railroad tracks, all while heading to Terminus. Terminus is a walled community like Alexandria. Abraham wants to leave what seems like a paradise to complete his mission to get to D.C. Eugene has come has to come clean about his deception in order to prevent Abraham from leaving. Meanwhile, one of the new savers finds a sign for Terminus and decides that it's a good place to plunder. 
The group attacks like the first Marauder group in the comics under Rick's leadership. Uh, Terminus fights them off. Enter Jason or Jesus at the end of the season. Please tell me I'm crazy. We lose the hunters and return for Morgan attempted Carl uh, rape plot in this plot or uh, attempted car rape in this plot. Uh, I don't think AMC's got the wherewithal to do an attempted Carl <laughs> rape. Um, uh-huh. It's I'm actually kind of debating whether they're going to have the wherewithal to have Carl murder a little girl. Um, losing the hunters would be inexcusable. It would be a classic three episode arc, and I, I uh, and and the thing is, it's it's like you got to do it now or never. If you do the Alexandria slash Negan plotline, it will not be the hunters are not a believable enough threat. You know, yeah, that's a good point. Like right now, you could buy that Rick's group doesn't have what it takes to be as ruthless as they need to be to survive against other ruthless people, and the Hunter plotline answered that question in spectacular fashion. Um, yeah, their group is also shattered, and Rick is kind of in bad shape himself. So, uh, if they want to go for that right now, that's a good time to do it. Yeah. So, I. Uh, I, like I said, I, I'm I'm nervous that they're going to go with that. But it could be that Kirkman's bored with his own material that he doesn't want to just paint by the numbers. And he wants to get I, – I almost kind of think that maybe he wants to come, catch up to the comic book. He wants to split off this uh, into another uh, uh, sequel series or a companion series so he can he can get excited again about making new stuff up. I mean he could just be like, yeah, yeah. fuck the comics. They were great. I said my piece, but I want to tell a new story. And the faster he gets through the comic book plot line, which if he gets the Negan, I mean, you got a couple more episodes to go, and you're you're done with that, and you're on the new Uncharted territory. Yeah. He's like the anti-Martin. <laughs> uh, anything else we need to talk about in the spoiler section? I don't think so. Okay. Well, then that's a cast. Yep. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, see you then.